Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Hey, where are the ladies at in the room? Let me hear you. Hey, how many of you ladies, you like getting flowers? Come on. Oh, you like? It's a nice gesture. Yes. All right. It's a nice thing, right? On anniversaries. Guys, don't forget the anniversaries now. It's the same day every year, right? Come on, you put a ring on it, but don't, don't stop with the ring, okay? Uh, Mother's Day is right around the corner. We're just a few weeks away, right? Don't forget moms. Right? Anniversaries, birthdays, holidays. And then just because sometimes it's a nice, it's a nice gesture, right? I, I have to be sneaky with, with uh, flowers. I don't, I don't usually order them. I quit going to the florist a long time ago. Uh, I, you know, Publix has really nice. Like, I'm not trying to be cheap. I'm just, they're just really nice. Hey, come on, Ryan, y'all stepping up there, Publix, okay? And they're just really nice. Uh, so I was getting them from there. And I'm always trying to hide it somewhere where she doesn't see. I always get it like the day before or the day morning of. So I have to be really strategic, and I'm not going to give away any of my hiding spots because obviously Haley's in the room uh, today. But I have to be sneaky, even with gifts, because we shop a lot on Amazon, and so we realize we share the same account, and so sometimes we see the things that we buy. So we just got to be really, really sneaky. So I've learned how to how to try to be sneaky, especially with flowers. But, but I hate to burst your bubbles, lady, uh, ladies. That, because here's the deal. Um, if you think about it, you're just getting a pile of dead things when you get those flowers. I know it's gonna, this is going to mess with your head. It's going to change everything. But maybe you still Because let's be honest. As soon as you cut those flowers from the vine, they're already starting a process of dying. Think about it. When they're removed from their source, when they're removed from the vine or the plant or whatever it is, they're already starting that. That's why it takes like a week or so if you don't put that little powder stuff in there, guys. You got to put the powder in there. Right? They're going to die quicker, right? But they're already starting that process. Even though on the outside they don't look dead yet, they're already on the inside starting that process. Why? Because fellowship has been broken with it at its source, the vine, right? And so it is with us. So it is with us in our lives. Spiritually, we, we die because of spiritual separation from God. Because of what? Because of sin. We might look good on the outside. We might, we might look good like those flowers and have all the nice colors, the reds and the yellows and the pinks. We, we might have it looking good on the outside, but it's an internal thing that's happening it doesn't take long for those flowers to wilt, to change, to fade colors, and to, and to, and to fall off of that, that plant. And it's the same for us. See, here's the deal with sin, right? Sin separates us from God. It has always been the human problem with human condition. It separates us from God. It is spiritual death to us. And sin is a slow fade that takes one step at a time. People don't wake up and like, hey, I think today I think I'm going to do something and, and I'm, I'm just, I'm going to get mad at someone. I'm going to go off the handle to someone. I think today I'm just going to be a jerk, right? I, you know, I think today I'm going to fill that blanket, right? No, no one just waits. It's a slow fade that happens one step at a time. And before you know it, you're in a situation you're like, how in the heck did I get here? Come on, somebody. I've been all of us, if we're real honest. And, and, and this message today might feel a little heavier, but I think it's necessary. We need that sometimes. 
And it's not about judging anybody. It's not about condemning anybody. It's about waking somebody up so that we can get out of repeating the same patterns of sin in our life. Right? So let's break that cycle. Come on, somebody. Let's break that cycle today. Let's break it up. Let's do something different. Let's change. God is still in the business of changing our lives. Anybody believe that today? God is still in the business. Come on, Jesus still has the power to break every chain. And so it's time that we stop just saying amen to that little phrase and start believing it and start living in it and start living in the promises of God. Remember the first week we started this series, we talked about how God wants you to live in his purpose, in his presence, and in his provision. Sin separates us from that. That's what got Adam and Eve uh, separated, kicked out of uh, the garden. The same thing happens today when we choose to sin and be disobedient to God. And it's not just about all the big sins. Because you might be sitting back there, hey, I, this message is not for me today. Because, you know, I don't have any addictions. I've been nice to my spouse lately. I haven't done it. I haven't looked at him. I haven't said it. But sin is not just about what you don't do as far as, sometimes it's what you know you should do and you don't do it. Sometimes it's God has called you to do something, called you to, to, to live a certain way, called you to speak something, and, and, and when we don't do that, that's just as much sin as if, if you were an alcoholic or a drug addict or something like that. We try to hierarchy uh, is sin, but it's all the same as disobedience to God. And it separates us from Him. It separates us from His presence, from His purposes, and from His provision. Come on, let, let's mix it up. Let's change it up. Let's let God do something in, in our lives today. Sin is a slow fade, and it happens one step at a time. Throughout this series, Epic Fail, we've been talking about how we bounce back from those moments. We've been looking at big fails in the Bible. We looked at Adam and Eve. Uh, last week, we looked at Esau and Jacob. This week, I want to look at the life of Samson. Many of you have probably heard of Samson. If you'll turn to Judges, Judges chapter 16, we're going to bounce around because there's a couple different chapters that, that Samson uh, is in, but we're going to really look at her, uh, chapter 16. We're going to look at the life of Samson in, in a message called Pushing Pillars. Come on, today is the day we're going to push some pillars down in our life. But as you turn to Judges chapter 16, just give you a little background. Uh, maybe also things you don't know. We know a lot about Samson's big wins. We know we know a lot about Samson's accomplishments. We know about his his great feats. He was this. He had this gift that God had given him. This incredible strength. Like I know we know superheroes today. Are you Marvel fans out there? You know about the Hulk and about all you know Captain America and all these different guys have these superhuman strengths, right? But Samson, Samson had this superhuman strength. God gifted him, and God wanted to use him. To rescue his people, the Israelites, from the Philistines. He gave him the superhuman strength. But Samson would often use the strength, this gift that God had given him, for his own purposes. He would often use it in fits of rage and revenge. And we see throughout his life, even though at an early age he was given to God, consecrated before God, given this amazing gift, we see that he never really submits that and surrenders that to God. But we know about the big wins. How legendary they are, but his weaknesses are just as legendary and noticeable in his life. Had this tremendous, tremendous God-given potential with self-destructs, like many of us have done in our lives. Samson was an incredibly strong man that had dangerously weak will. If you look at 
early moments of his life, his parents couldn't have kids. Mom was sterile, could not have children. She was visited by an angel. Angel said, you're going to have a son. I want you to uh, consecrate him, set him apart to the Lord. He's going to live a Nazarite now. You're not going to drink any alcohol drinks. You're going you're to set him apart. And when he is born, you're not going to cut his hair. Right? He's going to be set apart. And as he is set apart, and as he lives out this vow, um, I will gift him, and I'm going to use him as a purpose for his life. But we see he never really surrenders that, submits that to God. He has uncontrollable fits of, of anger. He tore apart a lion with his own bare hand. Like, I, I picture Samson as like this warrior, like, not, like big buff guy, rocking the dreads. I say, yeah, breaks. And like, like, I see this like really gnarly looking man and dude. He tore apart a lion with his own hands. He killed a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone, right? This incredible strength that God had given him, yet he had this insatiable weakness for women. And, and I want to relate that to some of the things in our life today, right? Because maybe, maybe you're really committed to something. Maybe you're really committed to work. Maybe you're really committed to the gym and, and working out. Maybe you're really committed to, to just other things in your life. But maybe you're not so committed at home. Right? Maybe you're really aggressive at work. And, and, and you're all about getting it done. And getting that deadline done. And killing the, uh, the, the, uh, the performance of your job and the presentation and, and, and getting that promotion. You're really good at being aggressive, but, but you're really passive at home and hands-off. Right? Maybe you spend three hours researching what you should buy on Amazon, but not five minutes in God's Word. Right? Come on, man. Maybe you love your, your spouse. Maybe you love God, but you're, you're trapped in a, in, in, in a world of lustful uh, secrets and thoughts. See, Israelites in this time had done evil in the eyes of God. They had been handed over to the Philistines for 40 years. In Judges 13, we see everything that God begins to work through. Um, through Samson's parents set apart at, at an early age from birth to deliver God's people from the Philistines. Takes on this special Nazarite vow. And we see that in number six. It's not, there's no, not supposed to be any wine drink. Nothing unclean being eaten. Not cut his hair. He was dedicated to the Lord. Judges 15, 19 through 20. We see there's a moment where everything is good. And he seems to be on the right path and on the right track. Even though he's already kind of made some bad choices. But, but there's a period of time where, where things are good. And he's on the right track. And, and in Judges 15, 19 through 20 it says... God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he was revived. So the spring was called in Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Right? He's on the right track. He has 20 years where there's peace, and there's prosperity, and things are going well. There's relative freedom. It looks like he's put some of his problems behind him. Because, again, he has this track record of not making wise choices, good decisions. Even though he's been given this amazing God-given gift, he doesn't make wise choices with that. He uses it for his own gain. But, but, but there's, this, there's this space where things are going, well, but if, if you fast forward to the end of the story, the way things end is with him, his eyes gouged out, and he's 
conquered and, and chained up by his enemy, and eventually leads to his end. So how did he get from 20 years of peace and prosperity to the way things ended? You see how those memes, how it started and how it ended, you probably see that. Like, this is it for him. Like, it's really depressing and sad. Even though he made things right at the very, very end, sin is a slow fade that happens one step at a time. Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. One choice at a time. One uh, giving in to his own desires at a time. One decision to not choose God and to choose his own way at a time. Right? One step at a time. If you go to Judges chapter 16, starting verse 1 and 2, we're going to read this, read through here and there throughout this last chapter uh, of Samson's life. But it says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told Samson is here. So they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night, saying that God will kill him. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, open our eyes. So many times we, we get things twisted, we try to justify things that we do. We try to justify it even with your word sometimes. We, we take your word out of context, we twist it to fit our own life, and that's not what it's meant to do. Your word is meant to, to cut deep to our soul, to, to reveal things in our life, to reveal places where we need to grow, where we need to change. So God, may we hear your voice today. Speak to those places in our life that need to change. Speak, God, to those dark places where we've tried to cover and hide and, and, and sweep under the rug. Speak to us today. Awaken us. Help us to change, God. Help us to, 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 to move into the things that you want us to, God. Not be held back anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we see... He's entered into the city Gaza. Gaza is the capital of the Philistine uh, area. You could say that's the enemy's camp. They're like, oh, it's all we used to sing. Like you, so Samson is now in, in, and he doesn't care because listen, he's defeated this enemy so many times before. He's defeated. In fact, you could say that Samson is actually enemy number one. He's on the Philistines' most wanted list for the things that he's done against the Philistines. And yeah, he didn't care. He finds himself here in this capital city, Gaza, of this enemy, the Philistines. He doesn't care. Like, could you imagine? Like, he's like, bro, like, I killed a thousand of you guys in one, like, in one city. Like, what, what, what can you do to me now? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna rise up in that strength again. God's gonna protect me. God's gonna protect me. Just God understands. How many times do we say those same things in our life, right? Here it is. Public enemy number one, most wanted. His face is probably up on poles around the city, you know? Like, look out for this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's here. Gaza, think about it, Gaza's about 25 miles from his hometown of Zorah. He's traveling 25 miles, and he finds himself in a spot where he probably shouldn't be in more ways than one. And he chooses to give in to a moment. 
He's stupid enough to risk so much, his life and, and, and so much, everything that God has is for a one-night stand here. Or one for a quick fix for a momentary pleasure. And here's the deal. Before you look down and like, oh, oh, oh Samson, Samson. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, good Lord. Bless his heart, like we say here in the South. I mean, can't remember where you say that or think that, because, man, that's us, too. That has been us. It's been you and me. But we're willing, just like Esau last year, we're willing to trade that, that birthright for momentary pleasure. We're willing, like Eve, to reason in our mind and try to justify, well, I, I, I could probably take this out because it looks good and it, it seems like it would be good to eat. And we, we do that. It's happened through all our human history. 25 miles. How many steps that is? Roughly about 56,000 steps. Sin is a slow fade, one step at a time. How did Samson get there? 52,000 steps. 25 miles. And maybe some of you in the room today, and, and, and maybe you've already been through some of this stuff before. Praise God, he brought you out of it. And you can remember, like, man, yeah, I've been there, bro. Maybe there's some of you today, and you're, and you're, you're living this. And maybe you wonder, well, how, how did I get here? How many steps? How many decisions? How many choices? How many thoughts? And I give in to, to get here. Sin is a progression of desire, deception, and disobedience. It starts in our desire. It starts in our hearts. It starts in our heart. It starts in a thought. And the Bible, see, here's the deal. Here's where we either choose to turn away or we say, man, I've got this thing going on, so I need to, I need to kick it in the butt. I need to cut it off. I need to sever the head. I need to do whatever I can to kill this thing in my life. So, so what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the word of Capture every thought, take it captive, and submit it to Christ. Because there's power. We can't, we can't get that out on our own. But so many try to do that. We're not meant to. We're not meant to do it all. We're meant to live in His purpose, in His provision, and in His presence. So many times we choose not to. And I don't know if it is guilt or shame. You think like, oh man, I had this thought. Or, oh, I gave in to this. So yeah, it must just be all over. But it's not. It's not. Yeah, break it. Break the cycle. Break the chains. Do something different. But in the desire phase, we have this flaw, we have this desire in our heart, and then it leads to deception. We feel like, man, I, I really need this. I keep thinking about it. I keep desiring my heart. So, man, I, I really feel like I need this. I really, I really want this. And if we don't cut it out here, we end up in disobedience. We act upon them. Samson continued to be motivated by his own desires. Continually. Every decision that we see him make was fueled by his own desires, whether it was revenge. You can go back and read back earlier in, in, his, in his time. Revenge. You get angry. You act out. He had this amazing this amazing gift that God wanted to use for his glory. He lacked concern for God's ways. He didn't submit to that, surrender to that. He disregarded his parents. His parents even tried to give him godly instruction. Early on, he went to marry his first wife. And they said, listen, she's a Philistine. Like, the Philistine, they were enemies of God. And, and they're like, why, why? Come on, parents, you ever been like, you know, she's no good. 
And they're like, why, why, why would you marry within our people? Now let me just interject here. This is in no way this, because in today's culture and text, like, you know, some people try to justify this in a racial way, and this has nothing to do with that. This is a matter of these were people that were godless people. Right? These were godless people. So let's not try to twist things to fit our own mentalities and issues in our, our life that we have in culture. These are godless people, and his parents are learning this and why? Why are you going to do that? And he couldn't help himself. He gave in. So he, he left concern for God's ways, disregarded his parents' instructions. In fact, this would be the first Philistine woman in his life. The prostitute was a Philistine. His third and final relationship would be a Philistine. He continually made choices that did not please God. Samson, and this is what's so frustrating, is that he had this God-given gift, but he lacked the conviction and character to, to, to really use it for what God wanted to. See, a gift from God can only be used for God's glory. Time and time again, we see him use it for his own purposes. He was strong enough to kill a thousand men by himself. He was strong enough to kill a lion. We're going to read up here in a minute. He was strong enough to rip a 700 pound door off his hinges, but, but he was not strong enough to leave a woman. He fell in love with a woman named Delilah. Did you read up in, into Judges chapter 16 a little bit? We see that he falls in love with this, this, this woman, Delilah. The Philistines try to use her to, to get to know Samson's secret. Come on, come on, get in there, get in there, get close to him, manipulate him, try to get, he says, man, we need, to, we need to get this guy. Right? He's embarrassed us, he's fought us, he's, he's our enemy, we need, we need to get this guy. So you got to find his secret, right? And so she kept nagging. She kept nagging. She kept, come, come on, tell me, tell me your secret. Tell me what it is. She kept, she kept nagging. And then she tries to manipulate him like, you say you love me, but you're not really showing it. You, how can you say you love me, but then you won't tell me your secret? You won't tell me everything. So finally he gives in. Oh my gosh, stop nagging me, woman. Now guys, this is no, 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 this is no excuse. Like, so in verse 17, Judges 16, 17. So he tore everything. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said. Because I've been a Nazarite set apart to God since birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Verse 19, having put him to sleep on her lap, she called a man to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so they began to subdue him, and his strength left him. Sin is a slow thing that happens one step at a time. And we might think early on, like, like Samson, he was making these bad choices, but, but, but God's power still was coming on him. He <coughs> didn't even realize that we can become so numb and, and so used to sin. And, he had gotten, and, and then he comes into this moment, and, and his strength is left of God's power and his presence. And that should scare us that God's power and his presence can leave us. And it did here in this moment. Samson assumed his disobedience would never cost him. Because he had gotten away with it so many times, and finally it's caught up to him. He didn't even realize when God's power had left him. Look at verse 20. Then she, talking about Delilah, comes, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll just go out as before and shake myself free. Oh, come on, guys. 
Oh, we've been through this before. I got killed once your buddies. Like, just, just lay down. I just don't even try. Don't even try. Just lay down. Don't, don't, just take your torch and your pitchfork. Just take it on down to the, to the house, right? Like, this is not going to work. It's like, I'm just going to shake free like before. I'm just going to get, I'm just going to beat these guys just like before. And then in, you read on, it says he didn't even know that the Lord had left him. Didn't even know. The Philistine seized him and gouged out his eyes and they took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bone shackles, they set him to grinding in the prison. Samson didn't ruin his life all at once. He ruined it one step at a time. So I want to ask you this this morning. Where are you stepping away from God? Where are you at with him? Where are you at in your relationship? Where, where, where do you find yourself stepping away from God? And again, it may not be in the addiction area. That may not be like your vice. That may not be your thing. Drugs, alcohol, and that kind of stuff. But where do you find yourself stepping away? Is it in the moments when God does say, hey, listen, I want you to do this? Is it in those moments? Where do you find yourself? Is it in the, in, the, in the daily disciplines that he's wanting you to grow in? Like, like prayer? Quiet time? Coming to church? Are those moments where you find it easily to say, hey, Sunday is our family day, so we're just, we're just not going to go to church today? Right? Do you realize in the culture we live in today, you read the studies and the statistics, less people are going to church. Right? But you know, you know I just, man, I'm so tired, I'm so busy today, I'm just not going to read the Bible and pray today. Again, we have to hire our consent and we have to think, you know, I'm not doing anything bad. I don't drink, smoke, chew, hang around with girls to do so. Hey, I'm good. Pastor, you're not talking to me today, but where do you find yourself compromising? Where do you find yourself just stepping away from God? Because maybe it's not something big. Maybe it is prayer one day, but man, it just takes one step and one decision to say, oh, you don't want to pray today either. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know, I know I missed church last week, but man, you know what I'm saying? One step. All it takes is one step to begin that spiral away from God. Is it an undisciplined life? Is it anger? Is it pride? Is it lust? Is it greed? Is it gambling? Is it some sort of addiction? Is it being passive? Like when we should stand up for God and should stand up for truth. But we don't want to offend people. We'd rather offend people. <laughs> Not offend people and offend God. It's workaholism and you're just, you're working so much. Is it lying? Come on now. Has your hair grown long like Samson's and your heart drifted? It takes just one step at a time. So, so you're only as strong as you are honest. So today's a day to be honest. Today's a day to say, you know what? I have been I have been taking it. It might just be a little step. It may even be just a half step. It might just be a little slide. It may be just a pivot, like in basketball. You, you might just be trying to sneak a little slide. Either way, it's stepping away. And it only takes one step at a time. And before you know it, you're just like saying, how, how in the world, how did I get here? So today, will you be honest? At the end of this service, will you be honest? No judgment. Like, we should all want this. We should all want to stop stepping away from God and start stepping to Him. Well, you got to get the step in the right way. Now, listen, 
step two. And there's no, there's no guilt, there's no shame, there's no, none of those things. If you choose to step to God, it's not, it's not you're, you're saying, you know, well, I'm, I've screwed up so many times. What's the point? No, well, that's exactly the point. Stop. Break the cycle. Break the pattern. Interrupt the pattern. Let's start stepping toward God. What can we see through Samson's spiral down? If you go back to the beginning of Judges chapter 16, we see that Samson taunts his enemy. Samson, he's like, God's just going to rescue me anyway. God's grace is sufficient for me. We like to quote that verse. But that's no excuse. God, what did Paul say? You know, so God's grace is great, so should we go on sinning? No. No. Samson comes out and he taunts his enemy in, 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 in verse 3, chapter 16. If you go back a little bit, uh, Samson laid it only until the middle of the night. This is when uh, he, he was in Gaza and he was with the prostitute and, and the enemies were always here. Like, we're going to kill him in the morning. So Samson laid there only until the middle of the night and he got up and took hold of the doors off the city gate. Rips the doors off the city. You ever see those movies? Like maybe it was back in like medieval times and you're going into the city and there's this huge open the door, you know, like there's guards are open and shoot, that's the door. He rips them off their hinges and throws them out. Like this is a symbol of security for the city. Like if, if an enemy were trying to get in the city, they would like storm the gates. And Samson's like, come at me, bro. Like, come try to get you. He rips off the only symbol of security that they have in this city. And he's like, I don't care. Like, I'm just going to do what I've always done. He relied more on his gifting than he did on God himself. The one who gave him the gift. It's like he felt like nothing could touch him. Listen, we can only walk in the power and presence and provision of God to the degree that we're willing to walk in the obedience of God. Right? God may have this great gift for you and this great plan and purpose for but we can only walk in that to the degree we're willing to obey Him. Because otherwise we're choosing our own way. Otherwise we're choosing steps away from Him. You hear what I'm saying this morning, church? Now say amen. Do something for me, please. Samson underestimated his enemy. We often do that as well. We forget what the words that we forget that our enemy is like a lion roaming around seeing who he may destroy. We forget he's just looking for a little crack in the door. We forget that he's looking for a little step away from God where we're going to be vulnerable on our own. How many times have we given him those opportunities? Oh, it's okay. My girlfriend or boyfriend stays with me tonight. It's okay if we go hang out at the bar. It's no big deal. It's okay if I look at this site. It's not hurting anybody else. Just a little bit of weed. No big deal. Medicinal. It's just a little bit of fun. It's just a little bit of flirting here and there. It's no big deal, but in their steps. All it takes is one step that leads to another step. Leads to another First Corinthians 10, 12 says, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Samson rationalized the same old sin. We see him never try to interrupt his pattern. We see him never try to surrender or submit it to God. He kept rationalizing. Oh, well, I'm angry. Somebody's got to get back at these guys. Oh, this happened. So, you know, and, and he kept just rationalizing the same old sin. 
Judges 16, 4, sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sork whose name was Delilah. He kept falling in love with these women that, that shouldn't be uh, been in his life. It's no big deal, right? Not hurting anybody. Just looking, not hurting anyone. We'll try to justify some of those decisions. Well, if my spouse would just pay me some attention, I wouldn't have to go talk to anybody else. <laughs> I wouldn't have to go do this. Or, or do, and then we try to go, well, you know, man, I've just been so tired and there's some stress and there's so hard to work, man, I, just, I deserve this, right? We oftentimes try to justify our choices and our sin. Samson kept rationalizing the same sin until it finally caught up. And I think that's the danger in all of it to think that it's never going to catch up to us. He kept rationalizing and rationalizing until it finally caught up to him. <coughs> So this morning, what's that number one thing that can take you out? What is it? You might need to pray about that. Even right now, you might just start thinking about, God, what is that number where, where are those moments where I'm compromised? Where are those moments, God, where I'm taking steps away from you? What is that reoccurring challenge that you keep fighting with, that you have a problem with? The first step to overcoming a problem is to admit you have that problem. And know that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. His first wife, he made mad, like right away. Right? They had just got married, his first wife. If you remember, he, he gave this riddle to her family to try to solve it. And he wouldn't tell his wife the riddle. She kept getting mad, and she's like, you don't really love me. Here we are, same situation, another woman. Delilah says, how can you say I love you? He was involved with three different women that we know of all Philistines all got into trouble. He kept repeating the same pattern. The cycle of sin continues when you repeat the same pattern. You don't do anything to cut it off and to stop it and surrender it to God. Proverbs 26, 11 says it like this, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. He lost sight of the man that God had created him to be. He lost sight of the purpose that God wanted him to live in. He lost sight of it. Don't lose sight this morning, church. Because I know we like to talk about sin. We like to look at the world. And we like to condemn the world. All oh, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, it's just a godless world we live in. And while that may be true, it has crept into the church at times as well. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled to thinking that we are exempt. When we choose to step away from God's purpose and His presence and His provision, the same thing can happen to us. But, I want you to understand this, just because you failed at something doesn't mean you are a failure. Hear me out this morning. That doesn't, it doesn't mean that. Don't stay stuck there, okay? Don't stay stuck there. Don't think that I, don't think that, you know, I, I screwed up, so what's the point? No, don't do that. Don't stay stuck there. Because there's still power in the name of Jesus. But a failure is not an event. Or excuse me, a failure is an event. It's never a person. But to experience something different, you're going to have to do something different. We can't keep thinking that change is coming, the breakthrough is coming, and this is coming, but then we never do anything to change it up. Break the cycle. Start with the next right thing. Hey, Anna from Frozen 2, she can understand that. Come on, parents, if you know what I'm talking about. That's right, thing. But that's right, like, do the next right thing. That next right thing, like, 
can you just stop and get up on your knees and cry out to God? That next right thing might be just saying, hey, I've got to get back to praying. Or that next right thing might be going to church more consistently and bringing you. That next right thing just might be saying, God, I surrender. Give it all. That next right thing might be telling someone, hey, I've struggled with this. I need some accountability. I need some help. That next right thing might be some good Christian counseling. What is that next right thing for you? So break this cycle of sin that may be in your life today. Samson comes through in the end. He does, he does make a turn. He, he, he does take a choice even though it costs him his life. He's got one more chance to make it right. He's been captured. He's been tied up. In verse 23 of chapter 16, it says, Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And when the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, Our God has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison, and he performed for them. He's in their temple. This is their, their in the Philistine territory, this is their most holy spot. They offer sacrifices to their God, Hagar. And they bring Samson out now. To mock him, to, 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 to put him on display. We caught our great enemy. Let's have him entertain us. And Samson uses this as a moment to make things right. Even though he blew it time and time again, even though his sins finally caught up to him, he finds an opportunity for God to use him one more time and to make it right. Come on, worship team, you guys can come on up. Here's the deal, man. Just because you're down doesn't mean you're out. Right? Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purposes. In verse 29, Samson reached down the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself up against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple and all, on top of all the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. Never too late to do what God wants you to do. It's never too late to do the next right thing. You may be down right now, but not out. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Come on, it's time to get up. It's time to quit repeating the same pattern. It's time to get giving into that compromise. And it's time to stop taking steps away from God and start taking steps to God. Come on, it's time to get up, church, and push down some pillars. It's time to push down those pillars. In your, it's time to push down the pillars of pride. It's time to push down the pillars of anger and lust and greed. It's time to push down the pillars of comparison and jealousy and regrets and fear and fear of failure. It's time to push those pillars down today and start moving forward into the purposes, the provision, the presence of God. It's time to move forward. So what are those pillars for you today that you need to push down? What is it for you? To, what are those pillars that you need to finally stand and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I'm tired of the cycle. I'm tired of being on the hamster wheel. What are those pillars that I need to push down today? Ask him. A few moments, we're going to have our prayer team up. We're going to have some time to pray with you if you like to pray about that. Take that time. Ask God, what are those pillars you need to pray? Maybe you already know. But then ask God, how am I going to do this? 
Because we can't do it on our own. We don't have that kind of power. We don't have that kind of will. We need the presence of God. How are we going to do that? Simpson did what was right, not what was easy. This would cost him his life and finally say, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to do it right for once in my life. Push those pillars down, even though it defeated the Philistines, it also cost him his life. But he gave his life one more time. What you're going to do is harder, not once, but daily. Daily. Paul said, I die to myself daily. Make daily decisions to die to yourself. Every day, every day, submit yourself to Christ. Every day, give your life to Every day, say, God, what do you want from me today? God, I don't want to live in myself. God, I don't want to live in my flesh. I need your power, your presence, your purpose, your provision. Daily decision to die to yourself. And just like it took steps to, to sin, it will take steps to get out of it. One step closer to God. One day at a time. One prayer at a time. One encounter with God at a time. There's two responses to failure. The natural response for us is remorse. The better response is repentance. Remorse is we make a mistake. We do something we know we shouldn't have done, so we feel bad. We feel like I'm just oh, terrible. You might even feel like a horrible person. And usually it's because we got caught, not because we actually did something. And then we play the blame game like Samson. You know, he could, he, you know, it's all Delilah's fault. She was so seductive. She nagged me, and I finally had to give in. Maybe it was like, you know, I didn't even want this thing. I didn't even want this gift that God had given me, but, but he gave it to me. I, I didn't ask for this great strength, right? Remorse. But then repentance. Repentance is man, I, God, God, I blew it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it was all my fault. There's no excuse. God, you gave me a gift. God, you've given me a plan. You've given me a purpose. God, you've given me your provision. Time and time again, God, you come through in my life. And God, I, I blew it. God, I didn't take the value of it seriously. God, I didn't really want it. I certainly don't deserve it. God, you have given it anyway. God, will you forgive me? God, will you take this? God, will you help me handle it? Because I didn't handle it. I handled it with anger. I handled it with pride. I handled it. With it, I took steps away from you, God. I'm taking steps towards you now. It's surrender. When you can't unsin, but you can only repent. You can't unsin for that person you slept with. You can't undo the bad thing you did. You can't undo what you looked at, what you said, what you did. Remorse is looking backward. You can't drive a car while looking behind you. You're going to crash. Repentance is moving forward. Don't let your past, don't let your failures limit the future opportunities that God has for you. Back in verse 25, when they stood Samson among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I might lean on against them. And then Samson prayed to the Lord. Here's his prayer. This is his repentance prayer. This is his surrender prayer. He says, Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. Oh, God, please strengthen me just once. Oh, God, God, I remember the purpose now. God, I, I remember what you wanted to do all along, God, was deliver your people, was to defeat this enemy. God, I remember that. When you start with the enemy, God, would you give me that strength? His hair had already started to grow back. God, would you 
once more. God, can I do what's right once in my life? And not feel sorry by myself. I can't change the past, but God, I can change the future. So I'm all in right now. Whatever this is going to cost me, whatever, even if it takes my life out, I'm all in. Whatever I have left, God, for your glory, we step across that line. And for once in his life, it was not about him. Today, you might need to push some pillars down in your life. Come on, it's time to stop giving into sin. It's time to die to yourself. Will you stand up with me this morning? Come on, what pillars do you need to push down today? You need to push them down in prayer. Whether it's in an altar call moment, which I believe is a powerful moment, if you'll take it out. Maybe it's just some prayer in your own time each and every day. That's how we push down the pillars. We do it in prayer. We do it taking steps to God. Stop taking steps away from God. Stop letting sin and shame and guilt keep you from experiencing God and surrendering to God. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.